Welcome everyone to the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast, where garden nerds from around the world talk shop, share stories, and offer their favorite tip. I'm your host, Christy Wilhelmy. My guest this week is Mary-Kate Mackey, a prolific writer, speaker, and teacher whose work has appeared in numerous gardening publications. Mary has spoken at most of the major gardening shows around the country, and she is the co-author of the new book, The Healthy Garden, Simple Steps for a Greener World, that she wrote with Kathleen Brenzel. Thanks for being here, Mary-Kate. Well, I'm really pleased to see you. I, you know, we know each other through GardenCom, where we both participated in a storytelling event at the last annual conference. And I unfortunately had to follow your would-be award-winning story of the Uh, night. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry Um, about that. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh God, I'm so going to lose it here. Um, But you won the night and you told this fantastic story about how plants and horticulture became part of your life. And I was wondering if maybe we should start off by, you know, because I always ask where, you know, how did you get into gardening? And that's your story. So why don't you share it? Oh, I'd be happy to. Uh, When I was um, 10 years old, I went to sleepaway camp. I mean, it was a big deal. And uh, we had then a bigger deal, which is that we were going on an overnight hike. And all the girls uh, from all the different cabins were going to go. And it turned out I was the youngest one. In those days, we didn't have I'm dinosaur days there, but we didn't have backpacks and all this. We had like a sleeping bag rolled up like a sausage around my neck. And I had an army surplus canteen that leaked water down my leg. And uh, we were climbing in the hot July sun. It must have been the hottest day in Pennsylvania in the back of the beyond in the mountains. Uh, we were climbing up this fire road, which was super wide and filled with large rocks that turned your ankles. Mm-hmm. And it was awful. And every time they'd start out, I would slowly go further behind, further behind, finally. And they'd wait for me. And as soon as I would catch up, they would walk again. So I never had any time to rest. And I, I just wasn't very good at this. I didn't even have on a hat. Uh, (laughs) The sun was just beating down. Well, they stopped at lunchtime and I heard one of the counselors say to another counselor, oh, we shouldn't have brought her. She's too young. And I I was just incensed because I had grown up with three brothers and I I, I was up for anything. Um, So I decided I was going to walk out ahead of them and let them catch up with me. Now, I know as an adult, that's a really stupid thing. To terrible, do. terrible idea. A terrible, <laughs> awful, awful. But I think the counselors were so glad to see the back of me. They went, go, go, <laughs> go ahead. So I started out about 20 minutes before they were going to start. I started up this mountain. And I'm telling you, in Pennsylvania, these mountain roads go straight up. Mm. And so I walked and I drank my little bit of water and I walked some more. And every time I would see their heads coming up over the hill, the rise, I'd walk. I would walk further. And finally, toward the end of the day, and they never caught me. I, <laughs> I was always out there ahead. At the end of the day, this wonderful thing happened where the road flattened out. And that's because Pennsylvania mountains are flat on top. 
it's it's just wonderful it was flat and i'm walking along in the flat and then i realized that there's no more sun on me either the sun is setting off to my left and i just thought okay I'm done. I drank the last of my water. I'm just going to sit down here in this ditch by the side of the road and wait. And they'll, they'll catch up. So I sat down and I'm looking at the setting sun and it's coming through these white birch trees. And so each tree is sort of outlined in gold. And there was this wonderful sensation of surcease, my muscles. I was not moving. But I start watching what's going on. And under the trees is this just a massive amount of ferns. And all the fronds are rising up around the bottom. And as I watch, I realize that everything is taking their cue from the ferns. The way the sun is dancing on the light, the way the trees are moving, the way everything and all I could think of is they're ferning. <laughs> the ferns are so ancient and they're in the top of these ancient mountains and they're ferning. And I suddenly realized everything was connected. Mm -hmm. The ferns and the, 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 the sun and me, I was ferning too, even though I was completely sitting still. Everything was connected. And it was so profound. It was, it was that, as they said in church, the peace that passeth all understanding. Mm -hmm. And even the people coming up over the hill, I could see their heads coming up. They were ferning. Mm -hmm. And it was a profound truth. And <laughs> I've never forgotten it. But it turns out <laughs> I had a massive case of sunstroke. <laughs> I was completely out of it. And I, uh, they had to haul me home in the Jeep. I didn't get to stay overnight. It was, but I, I never ever forgot that. It was uh, so powerful. I have never experienced it like that again. But the closest I come to it is when I'm in a garden or when I'm in nature, or when I'm hiking. So it was no accident that uh, I ended up being a gardener. And it wasn't an accident that I ended up being a garden writer. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't even an accident to write the healthy garden book because I knew that everything was connected. And even though I couldn't see it or experience it in that same way, I know the ferns are waiting. Nice. It's such a good story. I love that story. <laughs> well, thank you. <clears throat> and how could I follow that? I had a I had a crazy I had a crazy experience story to follow that and that was just not not the mood. <laughs> after, you, after you spoke. Uh, <clears throat> Everyone was just basking in the, the glory of your insight and nature. Um, and then I told like a story about two of my community gardeners fighting, fist fighting and throwing weeds on each other's head. <laughs> That's a great story, though. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, really. 
yeah, but it pales in comparison to what happened to what happened to you. So, well, so now you that was in Pennsylvania where you grew up, but now right. you live in Washington State. So, actually, I live in Eugene. Eugene. I live in Oregon. Oh, you're in Oregon. Yeah. I somehow thought you were in Washington. No, nope. nope. Mary Kate lives in Oregon. Okay, so. Mary Kate lives in Oregon. So, <laughs> tell me, what's your garden look like? And uh, you know, just give our listeners a sense of place for a sec. Well, we're at, uh, I'm actually outside Eugene. I'm south of the town uh, in a bit of mountains and we're at 1100 feet, which means that uh, the valley floor is, is definitely eight, zone eight. And I basically am in seven, probably seven B, okay. uh, just because of the elevation. So we get snow when they get rain. And um, my garden is around a house that when, <laughs> when we bought the house, um, the reason we bought the house was that it had an oak grove in it, an ancient 400 year old oak grove. Wow. And um, we didn't even know how many bedrooms we had. We just, <laughs> just like, you did what I do, which is like walk through the house to the backyard and see yes. like, can I work with this? this and the backyard was, uh, a mess because they had taken dirt from flattening for the house pad. The house is just newly built, but they had taken that dirt and thrown it down over the hill, six feet up against dug fir trees. Aww. So one of the first things we did is we hired heavy equipment to come in and go down over that hill and bring that dirt back up to the top and make a flat area. And that was the beginning of the garden and it was always a garden for wildlife from the get-go that was the very first thing that i wanted because we moved in in september and i could not hear birds mm -hmm. i heard more birds in la than, <laughs> than I, I did here and I, I realized that it was all you know these tall dug fir trees around us and um very little understory and it wasn't a place for birds. So basically we've made it a meadow with all plantings around the edge. So I always look for berries. I always look for water. I have several water features in the garden, one of which runs year round, whether it's uh, frost or ice or whatever, I have to keep something open for them. And boy, do they appreciate it. <laughs> nice. Well, I can, so I can picture. It's 30 years in now. <clears throat> oh, I imagine it's quite well established and your understory is. is there and, now. And I've made some terrible mistakes. Would you like to hear <laughs> a couple of mistakes? <laughs> sure, go ahead. What have you, what okay. mistakes have you made? I have, uh, confess, I put down weed cloth. Oh, yeah. In portions of the garden where I thought I'm not going to get there, so I better do something. Uh, I'm not going to plant there for a while, so I'll put down weed cloth. Boy, uh, uh, there is a saying, friends don't let friends put down weed cloth. Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's a horror. And now, after 30 years, I have so much duff on top that I have, <laughs> I'll dig down a foot before I'll find the weed cloth. Wow. Horrible. Yeah. And of course, it's totally embedded with weeds. It does not do, yeah, it's weed attractor cloth. Yeah, I just say that it it makes it makes weeds angry. So those runner, yes. the runner weeds, oh, now you just made it angry, you know, and it just is right. going to seek out the open cracks in the space and then come up through that. And yeah, right. And it behind it on the bottom of it is a desert. 
Mm, There's right. the microbes aren't there. The worms aren't there. They can't get through. They yeah. can't move. Uh, so it's horror. So I did that. And then I planted trees way too close. Yeah. <laughs> they were just little tiny things. Right. I mean, you know, I, my, I know my own uh, hand span is five and a half feet because basically how tall you are is how wide your arms are. And uh, so I, I thought, well, you that's put them fine. <laughs> Five and a half feet, that's fine. They're little tiny things. Oops. Well, they're, they're too close. Yeah. And I can't, I don't have the heart to take them out. I just don't. Uh, yeah. Someone else is going to have to do it. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're going for a more, uh, <clears throat> I suppose we could say that like nature does that too. So I guess we're just that's working true. with nature in that way. Well, that's true. And the, I'm letting the cherry and the uh, 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 crab apples just fight it out. You yeah. Know? They, they'll do it. They'll, they'll do it. <laughs> nice. Before we get to the new book. Uh, you have a book called Write Better Right Now, The Reluctant Writer's Guide to Confident Communication and Self-Assured Style. So that was a surprise to me when I saw that. How does that fit in with your horticultural career? Well, I was writing for magazines and uh, the University of Oregon lost uh, a very, very good writing teacher. And um, she was going to Hawaii or something, and she so nominated me. They said, "I said I don't, I don't have a degree. I, I can't do this." And they said, "Yeah, but you're a, you're a writer. You're a journalist. You're published. You, you can do this because you're out in the world, and that counts for you know. I don't, I don't know that it counts against a degree, but you know, experience they counts again. Yeah, because I don't have a degree in horticulture, but I have thirty years right. of gardening experience, so it does exactly. count. Exactly. Yeah. And so I taught for fourteen years there. I taught uh, upper division writing for magazines, other publications. Then blogs came along. Then all this. I mean, we just started. It just blew up. Originally, it was just feature writing, and uh, so that book is a legacy of those classes because I had to in basically 10 weeks teach them everything to know about <laughs> writing <laughs> and only in 10 weeks and the first few weeks I uh, were spent proving to them that they could trust me right and that I really would uh, come through for them and so I just basically took what I taught in those 10 weeks and put it in the book because I realized, you know, it's easy. It, it, it's just a matter of getting in there and grappling with it. So yeah. why not make that? I mean, there's fabulous books on writing out there, but they're big, they're thick. Uh, yes. <laughs> you got to wade through. And this one, I wanted it to be down and dirty, the quickest hacks possible. Great. Well, I want to check that out because I, well, we're both writers. So it's inspiration or at least to fill the well you yes. know, um, to keep going yes. and write more things. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. Now I won a copy of your new book, The Healthy Garden, recently in a drawing of Northwest Flower and Garden Festival. And I read the entire book on the plane ride home. So I, I you know, I just want to say it's a, it's a nice, easy to digest book. And it's really an idea book for designing gardens and how to live in them. What made you want to write this book? 
Well, what was interesting, Kathy came to me, uh, Kathleen Renzel, my uh, uh, author. Yeah. Uh, I was in the process of writing a book called The Gathering of Gardeners, where I wanted to get a lot of people's opinions on, say, pruning or uh, soil supplement or whatever, uh, and put them together and have, have a book that way. And she wanted to write a book on health. Mm. And, and in fact, this is a book she's wanted to write forever. So we looked at it and we had written together on a, one more book called Sunset Secret Gardens uh, years ago, 2006, I think. So we thought, well, maybe we can merge these. Maybe we can put them together. So that's actually how the Healthy Garden came out so that it goes healthy garden, like how to design it, how to think about it, how to, how to do it in such a way that it's good for everybody. And then the second section is what the garden gifts are, what, what the garden gives you. And then the third is how to go beyond the fence and uh, take your gardening knowledge and gathering more knowledge and uh, disseminating more knowledge because we gardeners do. It's like, well, you get to a certain point. It's like, well, now, now what am I going to do with it? I know all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I was particularly drawn to that third section of the book because you involve the community and it really shares the ideas that we need to embrace as a society, I think, in order to move forward and survive on this planet. Um, can you share some of the ideas that you present through the pages of this book? Well, on that third one, particularly, there's a, um, well, there's a wonderful gathering of gardeners, Teresa Spate, uh, who's a gardener outside Washington, D.C., and she has a whole gathering on how she brought together her neighborhood and her community with plants. Uh, you know, she had extras, she put them out on the street. Uh, she offered advice. She, she brought them anonymously to some people's doors. Everything <laughs> was taken. And it has brought the entire neighborhood together in this time of having to stay apart. She yeah. did it. But there's other things like, for instance, even though you have your own garden, why not support your community garden? Mm -hmm. well, I mean, it can be as simple as tacking up onto the railing all the extra seed packets you have. Uh, or you could do something like offer to um, do a storytelling time for kids when the parents are there so that the parents can work in their gardens. Just stuff like that. And then I highlighted some of the major uh, major things going on around the country, uh, the botanic gardens and how much I have a, a gathering of gardeners with Abra Lee and uh, how much botanic gardens are rethinking, a lot of public gardens are rethinking what their job is with the community, what their job is with the natural world and uh, how they can uh, widen the diversity of people coming to these places. So it's it's interesting because it's like, okay, we're preaching uh, kind of the diversity of plants and it also has to be strengthened by the diversity of people. Correct, yeah. And, and you kind of bring me to my next question which is about the diversity of design. What advice do you have for those who are starting with a blank slate in their backyard or their front yard? 
Ah, that's, oh, that's great. Um, I will credit this uh, uh, with the Jordan Valley people in Utah who uh, discovered that what people really wanted wasn't to make water-wise gardens. It was to have less time working in the garden and more time enjoying it. So if you design with time in mind, you are not gonna have a great big sprawly lawn that goes down over a hill or uh, does whatever. You're, you're gonna have something that's uh, organizing principle. Maybe it's not even lawn, maybe it's gravel or a patio or whatever. You start with that first. And then you start to move into what uses are in my garden. Like, do I want a gathering place? Do I need a food place? Do I need a play place? Uh, how can I make a food and a play place work together? Uh, I mean, you do all that and then everything left over becomes your beds. I love it. That's yeah, great. It's a, it's a time element. And uh, by doing that, uh, and they have a whole program where they teach it and everything, but it, by doing that, you can get so much more enjoyment out of your garden. And uh, I mean, one guy said he went from, I guess he was, he mowed his lawn. Uh, they're big on lawns uh, in Utah. And he, he mowed his lawn. But he said he went from 41 minutes to seven minutes. Oh. Because he shrank it down. He made no, there are no corners. There's no dead ends. There's no place to go back to. No hill. Uh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the way to do it. And, it. and it isn't punishing. It's, it's actually working at a, a higher level. I like that because most people, when I have done designs in the past, they say they want something that's low maintenance. And I'm like, I don't ever hear from anyone who wants a high maintenance garden, but you know, it's, <laughs> but it's, I, I want to be out there every day pulling want, weeds. Right. Well, I do know, I do know a few of my clients are retirees and they're like, I have nothing else to do. So give me some projects. I'm like, all right, fine. Uh, yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, that, that's a, that's a thing. Now you also write for uh, Hartley Botanic, which is the maker of very fancy green and glass houses. Pest issues can be really difficult to manage inside greenhouses. And this is something I keep trying to let my clients know who, who say they want one. Do you have any suggestions for those who are dealing with persistent pests in enclosed garden situations? Well, I think there's a couple things. Uh, one is those, uh, it, uh, some kind of pest things. The first thing I'm going to say is lower your standards yes <laughs> exactly i mean the elaborate to happiness <laughs> is to lower your standards so uh, uh, that's that's really the first thing a couple of holes in things a uh, few bugs uh. now thing is things can get very out of control because greenhouse is just a giant wardian box it's yep. uh, you know uh and there are uh, there are tactics that don't involve major chemicals uh, there's sticky tapes you put in for flying insects. There's mosquito dunks for those uh, ones that um, fly out of the pots. I can't remember their name. Uh, oh, the, it's usually from watering too much. Right. The soil gnats? Um, uh, yeah, soil gnats. And, and so there are things you can do and uh, that are going to lower your... And the other is cleanliness. Mm -hmm. basically keeping your greenhouse clean. You now have a greenhouse. 
It's part of your house. It's inside the house. It's basically inside the house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if it's inside the house, you have to clean it. So, uh, I mean, even a Swiffer little uh, dust mop will catch a huge amount of bugs uh, that, uh, that may be residing in the corners. So that's what I would do. That's a really good way of thinking of it. It's just another house you have to clean. <laughs> yes. I, I don't clean my garden shed very often, but occasionally yeah. I do get in there and sweep it. That's a good idea. I should try that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is tip time. So I wanted to ask you if you have a favorite tip that you'd like to share with the Garden Nerd audience. Yes, I would. And uh, it's not mine. Uh, it is Darcy Daniels. She is one of the gathering of gardeners in the book. She is a Portland garden designer, wonderful, wonderful gardens. Uh, and she has a design tip that I think is so worth thinking about that I wish I'd had it 30 years ago. <laughs> but it's basically to think of your garden plantings in two categories. The first is the forever plants. These are plants that do jobs such as cover the ugly house next door or uh, provide shade over a patio or whatever it is, they have a job to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, it could even be just a big shrub feeds the birds. That's their job. So you look at those and you plan on those and you plant those out. And uh, hopefully you're doing it while they're rather small, uh, like my crab apple. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> More than five feet apart, listeners. Really? And, um, <laughs> Then what you do is you've got all this space in between where you've put your forever plants because they will grow big. They will do what they're supposed to do. So then you use what she calls the for now plants. And these are ones that are going to live for a year or two. Maybe there's a bunch of annuals that, that just give you wonderful color. Uh, you get to play with the for now plants. And then as the tree grows, for instance, the ones that were in sun, they got to be pulled out because they're not going to do well in the shade. But you can do it because Darcy gives you permission. She says, yes, these you never planned to have a permanent relationship with these plants. So you can get rid of them. Yeah, I found that really, I that was one of the things in the book that I found really interesting and a nice way of thinking about it. It makes failure a lot easier to deal with because if you have the for now plants and they die, it's okay. Yeah, if she yeah. dies, she dies. <clears throat> right, yeah, that's you a great can, tip. It's a, there are so many wonderful plants in the world. It's, um, it's okay. And, and if even if your forever plant suddenly decides to turn toes up, I mean, <laughs> I've had Daphne's do that, for instance, uh, get another forever plant. There you go. All right. Well, thank you for that expert sure. tip, Mary-Kate, and for being on the Garden Nerd Tip of the Week podcast. Where should people look to find you? Well, I'm on, I've got a website. It's coming along, chugging, I think I can. Uh, and uh, uh, the book is available. Oh, can I say the A word? I don't know. Yeah. Abrams, actually, uh, my <laughs> publisher, uh, has the book and uh, is offering it, I think, for a discount. Local bookstores, uh, bookshop.org. Uh, there's a lot of places uh, to look around to find it. Good. And what is your website? MaryKateMackey.com. 
And is there a hyphen between Mary and nope. Kate? Just nope. all it's straight. All, it's all one word. Mackie.com. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. And are you on social media at all? Well, I got Facebook and um, I got Facebook. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have, a, I have other accounts. I have all of them, but uh, Facebook's probably the only one I, I really use uh, fairly consistently. So, uh, yes. All right. And um, you can always, uh, people can email me if they need to. It's uh, on my web. On your website. Yeah. Great. All right, garden nerds, you'll find links to Mary Kate's website and social media on gardennerd.com this week. We'll also share her books. And we're going to be doing a giveaway on Instagram for the healthy garden. So stay tuned for one lucky winner to win that. Keep your eyes peeled. That's it for this week. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit us for tons of free gardening information at gardennerd.com. Show your support for this podcast and the other free stuff on Garden Nerd by becoming a Patreon subscriber. You'll find us on Instagram and Twitter under gardennerd1, on Facebook as gardennerd.com, and of course, our Garden Nerd YouTube channel. Happy gardening!